Hello and welcome to the top story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents from around the world. I'm Wang Zhang. Coming up in this edition, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has rejected an executive order issued by U.S. President Joe Biden sanctioning Israeli settlers in the occupied West Bank. The United Nations Palestinian Refugee Agency says it may be forced to shut down operations if it doesn't receive funding soon. And the European Union leaders have agreed to provide an additional 50 billion euros in aid to Ukraine. We start in the Middle East. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has rejected an executive order issued by U.S. President Joe Biden that slapped sanctions on Israeli settlers in the occupied West Bank. The four Israeli settlers were accused of being involved in violence against the Palestinians and their property. Meanwhile, the Israeli army has released 114 Palestinians arrested during the assault on Gaza. Gaza's health ministry says the number of Palestinians killed since October 7th has risen above 27,000. John Gambrell reports from Jerusalem. President Joe Biden has taken a unique step in signing an executive order that puts sanctions on four Israeli settlers in the West Bank. The West Bank is Palestinian territory occupied by, by Israel that the Palestinians want to have for their future state, along with the Gaza Strip. These four individuals, according to the U.S., were responsible for attacks on Israelis and Palestinians, damaging farmlands and private personal effects of individuals caught up in this conflict. Now, these sanctions mean that these people cannot access. The U.S. financial system, nor can they do business with any American person. This is the first time we've seen this, and we've seen a quick reaction from Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. He said the vast majority of settlers are peaceful, and he said that those who aren't are dealt with by Israeli law. However, we continue to see tensions between settlers and Palestinians, particularly as. Israel's war on Hamas has ground on, and this seems like a new pressure point to push on Netanyahu by the American administration. The Americans, as well as others, are trying to get a ceasefire across the line to stop fighting in the Gaza Strip to see those hundred odd hostages that remain there released in exchange for Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails. Netanyahu faces pressure within his own government from hardliners who don't want to see those prisoners released out of the Israeli prisons. That sort of raised the pressure on Netanyahu. There still continued protests from family members of those hostages. And meanwhile, Biden himself may have done this in part as a political move. He went to Michigan to see voters there, and Michigan has a lot of Arab and Muslim voters there who have been incensed over the continued U.S. support of Israel in this war that has seen over 27,000 Palestinians killed since the war began in October. And meanwhile, we've seen continued attacks by Yemen's Houthi. The U.S. says that they've shot down drones, missiles, and even a drone boat in the Red Sea. The Houthis have continued these attacks since November, targeting commercial shipping. They say that it's trying to pressure Israel to stop the war on Hamas in the Gaza Strip. However, the Houthi targets have gotten tenuous or even no links to the ongoing conflict. As their strikes have gone on, the U.S. has responded with round after round of airstrikes targeting Yemen's Houthi rebels, targeting missile depots, targeting missile launch sites, drone sites, and those attacks continue. However, the Houthis insist they're going to continue their attacks as this war goes on. That was John Gambrell in Jerusalem. Meantime, Israel is looking to move its war on Gaza further south after claiming to have dismantled Hamas in Khan Yunis, the major city in southern Gaza. Estimates suggest that more than half of Gaza's 2.3 million people are sheltering in this area. 
All this comes as Qatari and Egyptian mediators are hoping for a positive response from Hamas to the first concrete proposal for an extended halt to fighting. Israel and the U.S. both approved the ceasefire proposal earlier in Paris. The United Nations Palestinian Refugee Agency says it may be forced to shut down operations if it doesn't receive funding soon. In a statement released on Thursday, UNRWA announced that the halt could happen by the end of February. This comes after several major donor countries suspended funding to the agency following allegations that some of its employees took part in Hamas's attack on Israel in October. Sally Patterson has more from the UN headquarters in New York. UNRWA is the largest humanitarian organization in Gaza. The United Nations says without it, it's difficult to imagine how Gazans will survive. On Thursday, the agency said now is the time to reinforce, not weaken, UNRWA. Tens of thousands of people have been forced to flee south due to bombardment and fighting in the city of Khan Yunis over the last week, and food and aid are scarce. We are actually the main and the sole provider for humanitarian services. Uh, here, nearly more than 2.3 million of Gazans, depending on our aid, and we are we have in our shelters nearly 1 million uh, Palestinians either inside the shelters or are registered and around uh, the shelters. This humanitarian crisis escalated after UNRWA employees were accused of participating in or aiding Hamas's October 7th attacks on Israel. Around 1,200 people were killed in that attack and hundreds were taken hostage. Many remain in Gaza. Since the allegations came to light last month, 16 countries have paused financial aid to UNRWA, worth around $440 million, according to the UN. The United Nations says it's launched an investigation and, quote, full accountability and transparency are expected out of this process, should the allegations be substantiated. The Secretary General engaged extensively with the major UNRWA donors two evenings ago, if I recall. That meeting lasted more than two hours, uh, where he listened to their concerns, tried to address their concerns, and made it very clear the, the, the swift action that we are um, that we are taking. As well as working with Palestinians in the Gaza Strip, UNRWA provides assistance to people in the West Bank, Jordan, Lebanon and Syria. Officials stress that without urgent funding, those areas will also be at risk. That was Sally Patterson in New York. Now turning to Europe. European Union leaders have agreed to provide an additional 50 billion euros in aid to Ukraine. The agreement comes after weeks of negotiations which overcame Hungary's veto. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has welcomed the decision and said the aid will strengthen Ukraine's long-term economic and financial stability. Moscow did not immediately respond. However, the latest deal was overshadowed by protesting farmers from across the bloc as hundreds of tractors block the streets around the European Parliament. Ross Cullen reports from Brussels. When the EU leaders arrived here at the council building on Thursday morning, they were getting set for what would likely to be another late nights and long discussions to try to agree on a funding facility for Ukraine. But in fact, there was a surprise in store because a deal was agreed in just 30 minutes. All 27 nation states signed up to it, which means it was unanimous, which means Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban did agree to the deal to provide $54 billion for Ukraine. That's going to be made up more or less of 35 
$5 billion for, uh, in cheap loans and around $18 billion in grants from the European Union to support Ukraine to try to help it pay pensions, pay salaries, pay off some of the other economic necessities it needs to function economically. Uh, now, there is also the chance for the European Council to review this funding facility after a year and potentially the European Commission in 2026 could look to see if this funding facility still falls within European Commission spending limits. Now, while all this was going on inside the European Council, outside there were dramatic scenes as farmers continued their protests. We have seen them across the continent and on Thursday they were focused firmly on Brussels, deliberately outside the European Parliament to try to make their message very clear to the politicians. We saw a lot of fires that were started by the, fire, uh, by the uh, farmers. There were fireworks let off. There were uh, firecrackers as well. Some of the protesters were throwing eggs and bricks at police uh, who were responding with tear gas. But there were more than a thousand tractors parked in central Brussels, bringing the centre of the Belgian capital to a standstill. It was already pretty gridlocked because it's always on lockdown when EU leaders like German Chancellor Olaf Scholz and French President Emmanuel Macron are in town. The protesters have these demands. They want an end to these free trade deals, potentially one between the EU and Latin American countries. They want an end to cheap imports, high production costs, low salaries, the impacts on their sector of climate change policies. And also, they feel that politicians in buildings like this at the European Council are not listening to them. In terms of the Ukraine deal that was agreed on Thursday uh, by European Union leaders, the first tranche of that money for Kiev will arrive in March. That was Ross Cullen on the latest EU decision to provide fresh aid to Ukraine. Besides the protests in Belgium, farmers in Greece, Italy, France and Germany are also taking to the streets to demand higher wages and lower taxes and import duties. The protests have caused disruptions and have also caught the attention of both the public and politicians. Evangelo Sipsis has more from Greece. Hundreds of tractors and pickup trucks rolled into the Saloniki on Thursday, followed by hundreds of angry farmers protesting high costs in the agriculture sector. Waving flags and chanting, no farmers, no food, no future, they want immediate financial support to compensate for the damage caused by last September's floods, when houses, businesses and roads were destroyed in the Thessaly region. They want new infrastructure projects to protect them against extreme weather, 100% reimbursement for lost crops, lower production costs and a change in insurance regulations so they are covered against natural disasters. The Ministry of Climate Crisis and Civil Protection has already granted $34 million to some 16,000 agricultural holdings and livestock units. Greece's Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis said there will be a second cycle of aid worth up to $10,000 for those affected by last September's floods. In the meantime, farmers will continue their protests and warn that if the government doesn't meet their demands, then more intense protests are coming. That was Evangelos Sipsis reporting from Greece. Finally, we are in China. Many people across the northern parts of the country are celebrating Xiaonian on Friday. It's a festive occasion marking the beginning of the Chinese New Year. It's also known as the Festival of the Kitchen God, the deity who oversees the moral character of each household. On the day, it's customary for people to clean their homes and ask the kitchen god to put in a good word on their behalf when he later supposedly speaks to the Emperor of Heaven. 
Chen Mengfei has traveled to the northeastern city of Yingkou to see how people are preparing for the festivities. So people here in Yingkou are celebrating this day by carrying their shopping bags to the local fair in an activity called Ganji in Chinese, which literally just means going to the market. This is a great shopping event for locals. People old and young come here. I asked some older generation people, you know, how is it different from the one when they were younger, and they said, you know, the variety of things here is just. Mind blowing that they could never have imagined they could have so many things.、Uh, you know, back in the days, it's not just a matter of money. You had to use these food stamps to buy things, and exactly because of that reason, because living standard has risen so high in China. For the younger generation, the Spring Festival is feeling a little less special because they can buy everything online and they can eat whatever they want pretty much every day. So a lot of people, young people come to this fair to see how things are done in the traditional. Way and the local organizer at the fair have also invited local craftsmen and old local calligraphers to come here and show people these New Year traditions. So this is more than a market. People come here for this sense of a community. People come here to promote local businesses, to promote local products, and it's just a great festivity. That was Chen Mengfei reporting from Liaoning Province. Recapping today's headlines. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has rejected an executive order issued by U.S. President Joe Biden sanctioning Israeli settlers in the occupied West Bank. The United Nations Palestinian Refugee Agency says it may be forced to shut down operations if it doesn't receive funding soon. And European Union leaders have agreed to provide an additional 50 billion euros in aid to Ukraine. That's it for this edition of the Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to the Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. And Monsehang, thank you for listening.